Hi, this is your coach, Joe Lucas, and welcome to this Practice Power Podcast. Hey, hope you are having a a great week. I know it's been a a very interesting week, and I'm sitting here on a a Friday morning uh, here in Melbourne, Florida, uh, thinking about the week we've just had, and uh, granted, it's still early in the day on Friday as I'm doing this. Um, You know, not the start to the year that I think a lot of us had envisioned. Uh, So what I want to do is really just talk to you about a couple different things today. Uh, first off is, you know, when when we have uh, what I'll call adversity come our way, and, and, and look, my belief is this is nothing like 2008, 2009, but a lot of us, you know, had goals and a plan to get out of the box really strong and had our vision of how we wanted January to go, and, and then, you know, here we are uh, maybe playing a little bit more defense than we thought, but it is what it is, right? And so, you know, I thought about... What does this all mean? You know, I've been very uh, introspective this past week, and I started to think about, okay, where are we as an industry? You know, obviously the uh, Department of Labor piece is now winding its way through, and I will I will have some commentary on that probably in a, in a month or so when things get a little bit more solid. Um, you know, we have uh, the market being the market. We have a lot of things going on as an industry and, you know, it made me really think about the future. You know, where, where do we need to be, or maybe more importantly, um, where do you need to be, you know, over the next 10 years? Uh, my, my belief has always been uh, if you want to succeed in business at the highest level, uh, you have to, uh, you know, act today, right, very tactically, but you also have to have the power of anticipation, so what does that mean? Is hey, what does it need? Where do I need to be ten years from now, fifteen years from now? And, and I know some of you may be sitting there saying, you know, at my age, I'm probably not going to be in the business. And I get that. But let me say this to you: when it comes time to transition your business, sell your practice, sunset, whatever terminologies you want to put on it, do you want to sell something that is basically obsolete, or do you want to sell something that's vibrant? Where do you think you're going to get a better price, you know, return for all those decades of time and energy and effort uh, that you put into it, right? So, so I want to say that. The other thing is that I think uh, as an industry and as a profession, I think of a lot of advisors have allowed their emotional muscles to atrophy. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, if you think about it, if those of you, and I think most of you were around in the, you know, in, in the uh, 2008, 2009 time period, hey, all of you built up incredible emotional muscles because you had to talk to your clients. You had to calm them. You had to keep them in the game, right? So that requires a tremendous amount of emotional output, a tremendous amount of energy. I mean, you're using muscles. You're digging deep emotionally and just giving, 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 to keep your clients in there. So in other words, you develop these muscles. You know, it's like you got, you know, not saying you enjoyed it, but you got used to the environment and your psychology adapted to the environment. So what happens? Well, after the first quarter of 09, you know, we kind of hit this, you know, half a decade, if not more, depending on who you want to talk to and how you define things, bull market, right? And so all of a sudden now, we really didn't have to talk, talk to clients about losses, or anything like that. In fact, uh, you know, our biggest problem as an industry was, you know, fees 
and compliance and regulation and robo-advisors. And we allowed our muscles, because we didn't need them, quite frankly, to atrophy. And then now we enter a year. And unlike, again, I'm not comparing 08, 09 to this, because I don't believe it is this. But we allow those muscles to atrophy, and now we're, we're struggling a little bit. We're a little bit sensitive to things. Um, you know, my, my viewpoint is, and you know, probably this year I've had, well, it's third week of the month, so I probably have close to 150 individual conversations in the month of January. And I would say, by and large, vast majority, 95% plus, uh, I think the advisors are more uh, sensitive to what's going on, more concerned, uh, maybe in some cases a little bit more freaked out than their clients. And I, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, if you think about it, you would expect the clients to be like, whoa, right? But here's what's happened. You know, if your clients were with you in 08 and 09, remember, human beings are comparison creatures. We compare, is this like that? Is this exactly like that? Is this similar? How is it different? How is it dissimilar? This goes on subconsciously, and we draw conclusions, right? That's how human beings do things. We compare. The term is compare and contrast. And now, granted, all of us have, as I also have in my practice, clients who literally get freaked out, you know, by the littlest thing, right? And so, you know, I'm sure all of you have a certain, and you know who they are, you probably hopefully have a list of them so you can get to them first. But you're always going to have those clients that are more sensitive to negative news, bad news, volatility, turmoil, whatever it happens to be, right? And, and so you're always going to have them unless you want to fire them, which is not what I'm recommending here. So you're always going to have that. And then, you know, then the question becomes, why? And this is what I want to get to in this podcast today is why. You know, when I think about threats, and the one thing, you know, I always look at, like I said, is always looking 10 years out, I say, what are the, what are the current and future threats to the average advisor? So I'm not going to talk about firms and the industry as a whole, because I, I really don't care what the big wirehouses do. You know, it's not my thing. I care about you, the advisor. So what are some of the biggest threats? So let's talk about immediate threats first. Let's talk about kind of the today, right? And I know what some of you guys sit there and say, well, Joe, the biggest threat today, you know, oh man, it's it's compliance, it's you know, regulation, you know, we see, you know, we see these robo advisors popping up and and so on, and and you know, that that really freaks me out. And I, and I said, Yeah, it's look, they are there, right? But when you really think about what causes you, you know, to really I have issues, and just listen to me on this for a second. I went through, I don't know how many pages of notes. You know, one of the things I do with every call that I have with a client is I always dictate what we talked about, right? And uh, some of my clients, if they're, if they're compliant to me, also send me an, an agenda. And I started going through all this. And, you know, whenever they, whenever, especially the last week or so, kind of, there was a trend and it kind of, and, you know, something you don't see something to you, you have enough, and then you look at it and you go, hmm. And then you go, wow, this has been here all the time. It's just, I've never noticed it before. If you think about what causes you to have to put massive amounts of energy into your client. So again, it's not compliance. You know, it's not regulatory, Right. It's not the robo-advisor. 
when you think about the battle that you fight, you fight the battle of your client's media, how they get information, right? What they, di- what they digest, where they get it from. Because when I looked at my notes, and we, were, and we start talking about very specific client situations. And, you know, Joe, it sounds like this. Joe, I just had a client call up. They're all freaked out, blah, 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 blah. Or, or somebody wants to come see me or we're sitting in a review and they were all, you know, they were all concerned and scared and want to sell everything and, and so on. Or even crazier, you know, they want to go buy gold or foreign hard assets and all these crazy things, right? And I sit there and I say, you know, human beings don't wake up in a vacuum, and go, I now, I now believe this, or I'm going to change my belief, or I now think this versus that. It, it never happens in a vacuum. We as human beings are always gathering data, information, right? Uh, formulating responses, concepts, strategies, but never in a vacuum. It's all about who influences us. That could be a people, that could be a person, set of people, or basically... Um, where they get their information from, or their data, to use the you know, newfangled word, right? And so I thought about it, I said, what is really the challenge here? And, and, and it really, it just kind of hit me literally last night as I'm, I'm thinking through things. I go, the biggest threat as an industry we have currently, as you do as an advisor currently, is the media. It's the media. It's what they watch, what, what they read, right? what they listen to, what they consume. And I thought about it, I said, hmm, that's interesting. So I, I literally early this morning got it back up and I looked at this week's headlines. I went on you know, various uh, news sites and kind of looked at the archives and, and, and various other, and, and I see things like worldwide carnage, right? And I, I, th- I see things like vaporize or global sell-offs or crash, right? All this stuff and then, and then obviously you've got the Davos going on, you hear, and if you're watching CNBC, you got those people talk, you know, got that group of people talking about things, right? And you have all this stuff. And, and here's the point I'm, I'm going to make to you. This is, and this is key. Media has to sensationalize things to get, to, to, you know, garnish attention in our new world with Twitter and phones and tap, I mean, all this. I mean, just think about the messaging the average human being gets today versus even 10 years ago. And what the messaging is going to look like 10 years from now, right? I mean, it's just going to continue to explode. And so, so you look at these headlines, and are they, are they, are they purely factual? No, they're not. You know, they, they have, they're, they're in the basics of fact, but then they put what we call emotional gasoline on it, Right? Because everybody likes a good car wreck, good train wreck. They, you know, we're drawn to the carnage. And what you have to remember is that most human beings are emotional decision makers. So here's what happens. Client gets up in the morning, typical morning. You know, what do most human beings do? They, they turn on or log on, right? Turn on TV or log in. And they get these messages. And, you know, they get these messages and these headlines and this commentary and stuff like that because, again, uh, as my colleague Jay Moreland says, which, by the way, you should follow the Emotional Investor blog. It's uh, one of the best blogs out there to kind of get this, if you will. What you need to do 
is what they do is they look at this and they see all this emotional stuff. And it, and it, and it gets them, and it, it elicits an emotional response, right? What is, and what is that emotional response? Fear, F-E-A-R. Number one issue from a client perspective, prospect's perspective in our industry is fear. That's the real enemy. It's not our competitors, it's that four-letter word, right? So what you have to remember is it's emotion, emotional. You can't solve that with another, with a, or you can't solve that with another, you know, going over their investment plan, their financial plan. You can't solve that with technical information. It's an emotion. And so that's really the threat that we have, that where in the past, and think about this, 20 years ago even, maybe 25, how did a typical investor, so your clients, some of you are old enough to remember this, how did a client get their information about what's going on with the stock market? They're either A, watch the evening news, right, if they, if they caught it, and by the way, the evening news it was like a what? A five-second blurb, stocks did this, so-and-so, so-and-so, and away we go, right? Isn't that the way it was? Or if you're really sophisticated, you put on PBS and watch the nightly business report. Remember that? Now you got a whole 30 minutes of market and business and stuff like that, right? But most people didn't watch that. Or the morning the next day you got up and you got the newspaper and you know, maybe you even got the Wall Street Journal, but it was after the fact, right? And it, was, and it was, you know, pretty factual. There was not a lot of competition. Uh, the headlines didn't need to be as inflammatory as they are today in the media and everything else. Totally different. That's 20, 25 years ago. Where, where are we today? Your clients carry the market in their phones, in their pockets. They get text messages. They see the headlines, right? It's crazy. Spoke to a client Monday. Great story. I want to share this with you. This is what, this is what drives me crazy as a, as a coach, right? And, and look, there are, there's a huge differential between being highly intelligent and having common sense. So let, let me tell you my story. So I was talking to a client this week, and you know, now this person, very successful, works at a major firm. We don't need to name the firm because I don't want to embarrass their stupidity. But, you know, sitting in the waiting room for a client, one of their biggest clients, you know, waiting for their, you know, kind of, hey, welcome to 2016 review, right? Sitting down there. They're sitting there in the waiting room, and what's behind the receptionist desk? A 65-inch LCD screen. Great. Locked on to CNBC. What's going on Friday afternoon? Market's down 500 points. And they're seeing this. And you see all the sub-headlines, right? And they're bringing in all those talk talking heads, which... Don't know anything anyway, right? So what happens? This review goes from, this meeting goes from a review to a got to get them back in the game. I want to sell everything. Got to talk them out of a conversation. Why? Because the TV was on waiting. Tell me the common sense in that. If you think about it, I don't know any advisor that I've ever worked with in my almost, in my nearly quarter century who's ever said to me, you know, Joe, I want my clients watching the markets every day. I want them following that closer than I do. It doesn't make, it, it's just, it's even a dumb comment. All of us want our clients to do what? Be planning oriented, take a long-term approach, 
right? Don't worry about the short-term market swings, volatility, so on and so forth. But what do we do? We do the exact opposite. We reinforce the bad behavior, right? To me, it's the same thing as a doctor saying, hey, you're coming for your annual physical. We're going to draw blood. We're going to do these things, right? Oh, and by the way, before you come in, here's, I'm going to send you uh, five coupons to McDonald's. I want you to eat a couple Big Macs and then come in for your physical. I'm going to get some blood. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. You're sabotaging. Makes no sense. So please don't do that, right? So this is the challenge we have as an industry. This is the challenge you have as a professional, is how do you deal with the media? How do you message it? And the reality is, you know, at, at, at a lot of different levels, what you have to do is you have to become, and this is, you know, here's the identity piece. You know, we talk about the future. I believe in 10 years, if not sooner, every advisor who, again, wants to thrive is going to have to understand education and not just giving them intellectual education but help them with emotional education you have to educate them on the media you have to educate them on how the thing works because they are being influenced by that and that makes your job harder it just does and the advisors who get this will have a dominant position they'll be preeminent and they will not be nearly as sensitive to fee compression as anybody else. And that's where we're heading, people. Now, some of you may not like that because you love the markets and you love planning and all that. And that's great. And you, look, you still make a good living in this industry. And you will continue to make a good living in this industry. But this is a people business. Think about this. Planning allocation, rebalancing, right? All that is going to be driven by technology slash artificial intelligence. It already is. You know, if you don't believe me, go open up a uh, Betterment account, right? Or a Wealthfront account, or even a Merrill Edge account. And look at the planning process there and look at how they allocate and they'll even do rebalancing and tax harvesting for you, all these things, right? So if that's your business you're in now and that's kind of how you view yourself, yeah, you have some structural problems. You know, I don't know if you'll be here in 10 years, quite frankly, as things change. We have to be in the education, the communication, and the coaching business because that is what people are going to hire the future advisor for. It's not going to be the mousetrap. Because they can get that anywhere. You can almost get it anywhere now. You know, there's a great, I, I would encourage you all to do this over the weekend or whenever you listen to this podcast, uh, Fortune Magazine, August 1st edition. It's a great story about, you know, because a lot of industries, and I think society in general, very concerned and excited at the same time about the concept of artificial intelligence. I'm nowhere near an expert in that. But I'm, I'm bright enough to read an article and say, hmm, that's interesting. So I'll let you read the article. Definitely worthwhile. But I'll give you the premise in a nutshell. Yes, there will be plenty of functions that can be taken over by artificial intelligence. Any kind of calculation, planning, anything that's data-driven, that's formula-driven, right? 
can be at some level automated. Look, we're on the verge of self-driving cars. And I'm sure some of us, or many of us, 10 years ago, thought that was like, that would never happen in our lifetime, right? Or even scarier that, you know, the, the technology exists today where you don't even need an airline pilot anymore. Not that you'd ever probably, not that most human beings would ever get an, on a plane with that one, right? But the technology exists to do it, okay? So, what's the difference? And to me, here's the thing, here's the premise of the article. Human beings, by our very nature, by our DNA, by our genetics, from you know, hundreds of thousands of not millions of years of evolution, are still tribe-oriented creatures. We need human interaction, human connection, right? Think about this. You may want to have a robot operate on your knee, but you want a human surgeon overseeing that. You want the human surgeon to tell you, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the machine we're going to use, and it's better than I can do. And then you want a human being, when you come in recovery, to tell you everything went okay, right? You want that human reinsurance. You want that human collaboration, not a machine. And so the whole concept of robo-advising, right, is to me very similar to that. It will perform a function, allocation, planning, all that stuff. It will not replace the human advisor if the human advisor positioned themselves as a collaborator, as a coach, as a person to educate, right? And bond and build bridges. Because here's what happens. And I kind of saw it this week, it was interesting. You know, if let's say you had, let's say you were a advisor, let's say you were just an investor and you said, you know what? I don't need to pay some freaking, you know, advisor of a point and a half, point and a quarter, flat, whatever. I'm just going to go do it my own because, you know, they're not any brighter than I am. And I got all these cool technology pieces now, right? I can go Betterment, Wealth Fund, Schwab, E-Trade, I can do all this cool stuff, right? And you go do it. And it works. In the bull market, it all works, right? I mean, you're genius, man. You're, man, who needs Ackerman, right? I'm, I'm killing it, right? Because everything's going up, right? Rising tide lifts all boats. And then the stuff hits the fan. And now the fear and the emotions gets in there. Who's there to tell that person not to do dumb things? Think about this. In 08 and 09, maybe even a little bit the last couple of weeks, your prime goal for most of you was to keep your clients in the game. Because every study that I've seen, I'm sure you've seen the same one, say, what's human nature? Wait till we get really freaked out, it drop, drops off, drops, and let's get out the bottom. Then we're so freaked out it's going to happen again, we don't get back in, and we miss the rally, right? Isn't that what every study you've read said? Is that a logical concept? Of course not. It's emotion. So at the end of the day, as an advisor, you have to deal with your client's emotions. And for a lot of you, that's not a comfortable concept. But that's the one you but that's the skill set you're gonna need to thrive in what I call our new environment. And it's and by the way, it's not like you, we're gonna wake up one day and and okay, starting this day, it is now the new environment. It is like everything else. It's a, it's a slow, steady progression of evolution. And we're in it. 
or knee-deep in it, right? And here's some of the good things. And, you know, look, by the way, this is, this is a positive conversation today, this morning. You know, over the next decade, you know, we all know about the boomer wave that's coming, right? And, and here's the interesting thing about them. You know, they, they are, you know, there's, you know, we call, you know, there's babies of the internet, right? The Gen X, Gen Y, the kids that grew up in the internet. Well, the boomers are the adults of the internet. They didn't grow up with it, but they had to adapt to it to be relevant in A, society, and B, in their jobs, their careers, right? This is what it is, right? They're also highly collaborative because they didn't grow up texting, right? You know, we, we know what we're talking about. So they're still going to want that human interaction because that's kind of the way we're, we're wired. Now, I'm not going to worry about the industry 20, 30 years from now because, you know, that's a whole different animal. And I know it's going to be because it's a different animal today than it was 25 years ago. So I'm not going to go out 25 years because, you know, we don't know yet. I mean, I've got my suspicions, and I will share that as I get clearer on that. But for now, you've got to understand the business that you're going to be in. And it's going to be that, that you know, coaching, collaborative, concierge place. It's not going to be about, you know, the, the value proposition, by the way, is not the plan, not the allocation. It's going to be you or your team, the human element. And that's why you have to be in the communication and the education business. You've got to be communicating to your clients. You've got to be educating them. All those things are incredibly important, right? We've got to do that. And so as you think about, and I, I, I don't want to take too long this morning, obviously, because I want to keep this thing reasonable time-wise. What does the advisor of 2025 look like? You know, it's going to be video conferencing their clients. It's going to be, you know, hosting virtual events. Uh, it's going to be, you know, highly technology and highly collaborative. It's going to be incredibly, uh, you know, what I'll call education uh, based and communication based. Uh, think of it almost like a robo advisor where artificial intelligence does all the heavy lifting, right? The planning and the, and you know, the allocations and the rebalancing and the tax harvesting. We don't do any of that. We'll have a program to do all that. But while all that's going on in the background, we're checking in with them. Make sure they're solid. What are they reading? What are they listening to? We're going to give them that human nature, that collaboratory scenario, right? Because they don't want to just have, they don't want to have a relationship with the machine. There's no such thing as having a relationship with the machine by that definition. And isn't that what we do today? Aren't we in the relationship business? Aren't we in the people business? It's just that, the, that it's going to continue to evolve. And it's become, that's going to become more the value proposition while the technical stuff and the market stuff and all that jazz becomes less and less. You know what's interesting? You know, I've been watching these uh, Gen X advisors and next-gen advisors, uh, these millennials, these 20s and 30-something-year-olds uh, come in our business. And uh, it's fascinating if you interview or talk to one of them, you know, what they, what they view what they do versus maybe see somebody who's 60 years old who, you know, kind of grew up in the stock market, right? Uh, these young people, they didn't grow up, they, they did not grow up in the stock market. Uh, most of them, I say a vast majority of them, are not in this industry because they love the market or they love stock picking. They love helping people. They want to help people with their money because it's a highly emotional thing. 
It's, it's interesting, their whole, their whole psychology is totally different than a 50 or 60-year-old person who got in this business. And I think that's very exciting as an industry because that's going to be, you know, that's going to usher in our new wave, you know, our next evolution as an industry, as a profession. So I want you to think about, I'll leave you with this. I want you to think about how can you today communicate better with more relevance? How can you educate more at a higher level? And I know there's sometimes a prevailing fear. Joe, if I, over, if I educate my clients, then they won't need me. Trust me, they're not, they did not hire you because they thought you were Einstein. And I say that respectfully. They hired you because they wanted somebody that they can trust, collaborate with, who was smart. Okay? Not the smartest. So you've got to figure out how to educate. You've got to figure out how to take on more of a coaching methodology uh, in your planning, in your reviews, in your touch-based calls. Care deeply about them as human beings, as people. That's the business we're in. If you listen to anything I've said over these two and a half decades I've been doing this, I've always believed from day one, what an advisor does is highly valued. It's highly important. It's as important as their spiritual guider, their health guider, and, our, and you being the financial guider, if you will. I don't even know if guider is even a word, but I'll, I'll use it. And that's what we do. And if that's not what you're doing currently, and you're like all about the markets and picking stocks and, and kind of doing all that jazz, I'll say this with respect, you are now on the endangered list. Because over time, that will become less and less relevant. So keep that in mind. Again, see the future now and move towards it. That high-tech, collaborative, coaching, communication, education piece. Move towards that. Because that's the future of our business. If you agreed with this, I encourage you. I can't order you to or command you to. Share this with your colleagues. If this made any sense to you whatsoever. Think about it. And ask yourself, how do I move, how do I move towards this? Because the ones that get there first are going to be dominant, they're going to be preeminent, and they're going to have the highest value proposition in our industry. Okay? So, have a great weekend. If you're a football fan, hope your team wins, right? If you're uh, in, uh, in certain parts of the United States, hope you went and got your food, water, and wine for the snowstorm, right? And get some fire on the fireplace. And uh, I'll see you all in about seven days. Thank you.